0: Hey there, and welcome to What's The Story. We're an inquisitive bunch of hosts from the What's The Story team on a mission to uncover stories about faith and courage from everyday people. In doing that, we get the privilege of chatting with amazing guests and have the opportunity to delve into their faith journey, the hurdles they've overcome, and the life lessons they have learned along the way. If you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for our weekly newsletter at our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. It's your direct line to the latest episodes and detailed show notes delivered straight into your inbox. And the best part, it's totally free. What's the Story is brought to you by CrowdChurch who fully understand that stepping into a traditional church might not be everyone's cup of joe. Crowd church provides a digital sanctuary, a safe space to explore the Christian faith where you can engage in meaningful conversations rather than just simply spectating. So whether you're new to the Christian faith or in search of a new church family, visit crowd.church. And if you have any questions at all, just drop them an email, hello at crowd.church. They would love to connect with you. And now let's meet your host and our special guest for today.
1: So, welcome to What's the Story? Uh, My name is Matt Edmonds, and beside me is the beautiful and amazing Charlotte Knorr. Charlotte, welcome to What's the Story? Now, um, it says here in your bio, uh, you're married to Gavin, uh, you have two kids, Uh, you are the head of Little Fingers Charity, which is a charity for bereaved parents, you are, and I love this, the online location lead for your local church, we will just call that the online church pastor but we don't mention the word pastor uh and you work at christian vision and it's fair to say we've known each other for a couple years now because of the online church space and so i'm super excited to get into this conversation welcome to the podcast great to have you how are you doing today
2: yeah, I'm great. All the better for being here with you, of course. Of <laughs> been about this so much. I'm finally here in person, which is
1: great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have talked about this for a long time, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's great to have you. And I like I like the smooth talking nature of it. It's it's uh, it's always nice to be flattered. Um, but no, it's great to have you to the show. It's great to have you on. Now, um, so you are. I can tell by your accent, you're. Uh, for those outside of the UK, you actually have quite a specific regional accent, don't you? Do you just want to tell the good ladies and gentlemen what, what where, whereabouts in the world you are?
2: Uh, I'm a Brummie, which means I'm from Birmingham. <laughs> but I actually live in Solihull, so, uh, which is the posh part just outside of Birmingham. So Birmingham Airport is actually in Solihull. So there, yeah.
1: <laughs> a little, little known fact uh, for you. so You call it Solihull. I call it Solihull. Yeah, it depends uh,
2: where you are from. <laughs> <laughs> it says brummie's gonna be posh <laughs>
1: <laughs> obviously i'm not very posh uh <laughs> you know uh, and so you're you're a brummie born, born and bred you've been there your whole life
2: yeah yeah all, all my whole life although my entire family now live in australia so just no living.
1: seriously just you just you left are you going to go out or are you going to stay here
2: no we do lots of visits so uh yeah as long as we can afford to obviously but yeah we do look yeah. Out there. yeah yeah no great.
1: fair enough fair enough well um so we know each other through Christian vision. Just explain what Christian vision is for those that might not know who are listening yeah. to the show.
2: So we kind of, uh, we help um, Christians to share their faith. Uh, but we also, uh, so we do that by several different things where we're trying to help churches to start those conversations with faith. Um, and so what we call, it's called mobilizing the church. Uh, and as, as well, we try and mobilise people to uh, encourage them and help them with skills to to share their faith and talk about Jesus.
1: And how long have you been doing that?
2: Uh, so I've been here for three years now. Yeah, yeah.
1: You're enjoying it.
2: Yeah, 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 it's you, great. You've
1: got to say that they're listening in, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 James will be watching this. Later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's a re- it's one of those jobs where you just think. This I used to be a teacher and mm. I was a consultant and then I went into working in events and some really big high-flying jobs and then came here and I really felt called here by God and it's like I really can see why God's called me to this space for such a time as this you know it's lined up really well with the online location leader role at church as well as being here Um and I started actually on the 1st of April which is about the second or third day of lockdown so it's oh wow. A- to, to a job <laughs> but i was thankful to have a job so
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and you guys do some great things you produ- produce some great resources you help churches uh, and individuals and so um what's the if people want to know more listening to it, where do they go let's just do a quick shameless plug before we get into the whole thing where, where do people <laughs> go to
2: Um, So they can check us out on the, it was a website that's a Christian vision website, but on the Christian vision website, we've got direct links to all of our products. So we've got, for example, CV resources, which is Uh, an online um, toolkit of different videos and resources that churches can use we've got yes Ears, which helps uh, christians to share their faith so that's also on social media platforms and youtube we're kind of in every bit of online space to an extent Um, we've got cv training so we do training for churches Uh, and then we've got christian vision outreach as well which helps us to uh, do online campaigns and reach non-christians through that as well
1: yeah, it's fantastic. I remember um, working with you guys and I, uh, we used to do this thing where you, you guys did outreach and some of those emails would come through to me, Yeah, people connected. And I never forget sort of early on, we had this one lady, she contacted, um, she connected with us through one of your ads. and. Uh, sent a, a whatsapp message through um, just saying, oh, I'm, I'm just saying i'm just kind of curious about church um, and i'm like well where whereabouts do you live and i knew somebody in that neighborhood and so that day she'd met up with them they'd gone to their local church she'd loved it she'd sort of got involved and stuck in and so what you guys did is just amazing yeah. really just connecting uh, people and getting them connected with local church uh, and the christian church which was great but we're not here to talk about CV, uh, although it is a great organisation. Um, let's talk about you. So Christian journey, let's start there. Was yes. this, is this a, a new thing for you? Were you? Did you come out of the womb a Christian? I mean, what's your sort of your story there?
2: Yeah, no, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. Um, I think we had, well, we had Christian morals, like we'd go at Christmas, and my mum would talk about God very lightly and stuff. Yeah. But it wasn't until um, I went to secondary school. Uh, so, all, we went to a primary school where there was a lot of Christians that would come in. or well, there were actually Christians, I shouldn't put them in inverted commas, and they'd teach <laughs> lessons about the Bible and unpack it yeah. all. To me, it was just really like, yeah, that's nice kind of thing. So, I think that taught me some foundations about the Bible and some of the basic stories. And then when I went to secondary school, we started going to the local youth club, but the youth yeah. club, uh, run by Christians from the local church and they used to have a little bit of a caveat of that I mean they were lovely people and it was a great place to hang out as teenagers you know a safe place to keep us off the streets because we were a, a little bit rogue. Um, <laughs> so, you know, some of the things they would put on for us for example like football clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. I loved um, and they brought in this guy who was a former pro footballer and they were like, right, he's going to teach you some football skills, but the catch is at the end you have to listen to him for 15 minutes talking to you about Jesus. So like, we'd go and we'd learn all the football skills and then we'd sit there afterwards and just kind of heckle him and stuff. But I think without realising it, a lot of that was seeping in. Um, yeah. And then um, the one summer they brought um, a group of teenagers over from America who, was coming, who were coming over on – was like a mission trip and they just built relationships with us through the couple of weeks they were with us and then right yeah. at the very end invited us to a um a night they were putting on where they just did a full-on church service evangelistic event um, and most of my friends went forward on that night to um, say yes i want to know more mm. however um, i had a curfew <laughs> and my mom was very <laughs> strict uh, so i missed the old <laughs> school bit because i'd just gone home but my older brother did go forward uh, but for me, it was just a few months later that um, I really um, started to think, right, this is something for me.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so I did. I became a Christian at thirteen. I would say um, had a couple of years. Where I was doing like Alpha and all those kind of things. But then when I went to uni, I was a bit like, no, I want to go down the drinking party and route. Um, and I literally remember waking up in my bed one morning after my third or fourth year uni and just being like, I'm done with this. Like I yeah. just feel empty. And then I remembered how full and complete I'd felt as a Christian and going to church and something just drew me back. And then just slowly, you know, I came, started going back to church and I wasn't ready, you know, in in the I'm perfect now, I'm ready to be a Christian. It was just a I'm going to go baggage and all. And that started to, you know, as I started going back to church, all of that started to get sorted as I dealt with issues. I was pushing aside, I think, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow, so when you were at uni then um, what did you study
2: psychology and sociology
1: okay so yeah. these are interesting um, interesting things to study in the wake of this sort mm. of personal awakening aren't they the whole uh, I mean what did the psychology law graduate make of make of all of this
2: <laughs> yeah it's quite a crazy thing I mean when you start unpacking it but I actually think the more you look at psychology the more you can't can't say there's not a creator because Mm. the more you unpack it the more you go wow we are absolutely incredibly designed um you know I mean I studied theology at a level as well and it was um some of these you know um arguments for the existence of God and it's one of them's about you know if I walk upon a a moor and I find a a watch there's definitely a watchmaker so there must be Mm. a God and then that's how they derive back down some of them were a little bit crazy but I think looking at psychology and how we're made up as humans you're like everything points back to a god who is love and mm. a god who created us you know uniquely and knitted us together in our mother's womb and i think that's exciting to to do that uh, to explore mm. that
0: together.
1: yeah that sounds really fascinating i'd love to yeah. know how how that all work for you because um I, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? When you talk to uh, a scientist, they'll talk to you, especially Christian science, a Christian scientist is not Scientology, but do you know what I mean? They're, they're a scientist who's a Christian, um, you have to be careful how he words so many things he does. Uh, but you talk to like a good friend of mine, Will, um, he's been on CrowdChurch. He's, um, he's really passionate about science. And for him, science just point, everything points back to God. Um, and you know, you, you kind of I I love what I do, and you have a passion for it. But you see God in in all of that, don't you? And so you, with psychology, you see God in that. For some people, it might be music. For some, it might be science. Whatever it is, um, and you can you can sort of see God in that whole thing. And that's actually quite a wonderful place to be, isn't it? Really,
2: yeah, yeah. And it and it reaffirms what you. I think because I was never encouraged by my parents to go down the church route if anything mm. they actually i remember the one day of them telling us to get out because they thought we were part of a cult <laughs> uh, <laughs> in early teens, they were just like what on earth is going on um but actually i think all those sorts of things built a picture of for me of this is really true like i have yeah. made this myself and everything points in this direction of truth um yeah
1: yeah, super powerful, super powerful. So you go back to church during your, I'm guessing your early 20s, you're at university, unless you do university really late as a mature student, but I'm guessing you're in your early 20s. Um, and you go back to church. Um, is this where you meet Gavin?
2: Yeah. Well, Gavin, I'd known before because Gavin's younger than me. So he was at the church anyway. Mm. Um, so I'd met him briefly before university and then obviously stopped going during university. So when I went back, he was still there. But because he was so much younger than me, it just wasn't interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it took a bit of time, but we got there yeah. in the end. He was with me. But uh yeah, he's great. Um, awesome guy. And um it's been great watching him on his faith journey as well because yeah. you know he was brought up as a Christian, but the other way around actually had some time then away from God a bit later on. So that's
1: been part yeah. of that for me. Okay. And how long have you been married now?
2: Fifteen years, sixteen years in a couple of months. So oh, yeah.
1: congratulations. Very yes. good, very good. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the challenges that you've gone through then. Um mm-hmm. In life that sort of God's been with you, walked through with you, and um I mean, I know some of them, I know part of your story um, so you 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 leave university, you get married. I know that life is not all sunshine and rainbows from this point, so um, especially because you've got a charity for bereaved parents, there's obviously some kind of link there, so what yeah. happened?
2: if I just rewind very very quickly, so literally as I leave university. Yeah. I went to Soul Survivor, the festival, yeah. and where kind of really for me, about a year later, I, I volunteered at it for a couple of weeks. And at that, God gave me a picture of my husband, couldn't see his face,
0: mm-hmm. and he
2: had a daughter on his shoulders. And he was, walk, he held a son holding hands with him, walking towards me. And he lifts the daughter down, and they're both walking, all of them are walking hand in hand towards me. Mm-hmm. So it's remember, important to remember that picture. Because then when I go into my journey, it makes you go all the way through. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. uh, but then it makes sense eventually. So, yes, yeah, so then we get married. And about a month after being married, I got a phone call from um, the doctor after I'd been having some ongoing issues. And they said, um, Mrs. Norm, we think you've got endometriosis, but quite severely to the point that we don't think you're going to have children of your own. Um, so for us, it was very much well. I'd had this picture. Gavin had also done a gap year at his at church and had a prophecy that he was gonna have two children. We get together, we've both got the same names we've been given for our children. We're like, this is it, we're definitely having kids. Woohoo! we found the right person. So literally to get that a month after, like we've got yeah. married, the world just comes crashing down. Um, so yeah, over the next months and years, we're kind of trying for a baby um and that puts massive pressure on you as a a young married couple to think we both got this dream we want kids but actually is it going to happen are we going to have to pursue this um and so yeah it was it was difficult um but after five years we did get pregnant which was really exciting um Mm. and the church were with us on that journey eventually and that was naturally as well we were just about to start the ivf journey
1: yeah
2: um and so yeah so we were all excited got everything ready, found out it was a little boy, um, which was great, uh, very excited. We knew we were going to call – so our names we'd been given separately that when we got together we'd got the same names were Noah and Grace. Okay. So because our whole church knew our journey, everyone was saying to me, oh, this is Noah, this is Noah, how exciting. But something in me, which now I now know is obviously the Holy Spirit, kept saying, this isn't Noah, something feels a bit different. And mm. as my progress her pregnancy was progressing and progressing. You know, I was eight and a bit months. Uh, everything was, you know, fine, no issues. Um, and then I went for a routine scan and said to the the midwife, oh, I've had a, a, not a routine scan, sorry, a routine injection. Um, and I said to the midwife, oh, I've just had a bit of reduced movement lately, but my midwife said yesterday, it's fine. She said, oh, no, we take that very seriously um, and whisked me into a side room. And unfortunately, um, our son had passed away. Um, so I'd got to mm. um, go to the hospital to be prepared to deliver oh. and I'd do it naturally. Um, and it was just all very confusing and, you know, yeah. it's long to get pregnant and now this had happened. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it did feel like it was just that day where our world just came crashing down. Um, yeah,
1: no kidding. No kidding. I mean, I, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, you know, that's just. I can't. I can't imagine what that was like, Charlotte. I'm not going to lie. I, just, I, I can't be in that position because that's not what happened to to me and Sharon. It's not what happened to many couples. But he, I guess. How did you then reconcile the the picture, the dream, the names, um, mm. with that day because that that must have taken some time to get over i would have thought
2: yeah yeah it did i mean initially i think you go into i mean grief is a funny thing anyway they talk about the waves of the different emotions and about how they lap and every everything just feels different i think initially i went into this almost formality mode of right I've got to give birth in a couple of days. Then we've got to plan a funeral. So you just kind of keep your head above water. Mm. Um, And so I think I went into that and I really found God in that. And I can clearly see fingerprints of exactly where God lined up stuff to make it easier for me. So, for example, you had to have, so the hospital paid for the funeral of, uh, of, so we called the little boy Micah, uh, Mm. which, about God's uh, little prophet and who is there like God. Uh, It's about his uniqueness. So, so yeah, so we had to have a uh, a hospital chaplain do the funeral where it turned out our senior pastor was actually one of the hospital chaplains. We had to have their funeral um, people who actually one of our elders was the leader of that. So so all these little bits, you know, our our church friends cooked and cleaned for us for six weeks after the baby, uh, after we'd lost Micah. Uh, our family paid for us to go to Australia for a month after the funeral so all those things kind of kept us going but I think it was then when we got back from Australia where Gavin had gone back to work and the support wasn't there as much i mean it was but people just not around you as much yeah that hit me um and I became quite unwell um and I did and I think my it was my anger and confusion towards God was the thing that made me quite poorly for a bit of time. Um, just as I was wrestling through those pictures and the whys and the – yeah, it's you just can't explain it. And the hormones. Oh, jeez, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: so. So it's all going on, isn't it, really? You've got the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, the mental. You've got all of that happening at the same time. And so you then become quite unwell. You say because of your anger and your confusion, yeah. sort of, you know, in hindsight, this was um, maybe what you can put it down to. Um. And how's 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 the husband at this point?
2: I think, yeah, it was difficult. And this is the point where Gav said, that's it, I'm done with my faith. I'm done with God because um, he just couldn't get his head around it. So, again, that then pushes you, you know, into a place of, like, difficulty because it's like yeah. have we got to go back into then trying mode for another baby? And then we've also got this in between, like, I'm going to churches. I'm wanting to deeper dive into God. He's going, yeah. no. You know, so it's all of that sort of stuff. And and don't get me wrong, like, Gav was there for me. He, you know, hugged me mm. if I was crying and stuff. But the point where I really wanted to be like, can you pray for me? He was just so angry with God. He was just like, no. So you're just kind of on to different places. Mm. Um and I remember getting to the point at the Easter, so we'd lost Micah in the October, and at the Easter, I was so unwell, and I was having that many panic attacks and different things like that, I'd got really poorly, uh, that I remember Gav just literally having to scoop me up, and he took me to my mom's house. And he just gave it to me, uh, gave me to her at the front door. And he was just like, I just don't know what to do with her. And I had to stay at my mom's for the next two weeks. And I remember my mom literally all through the night, I'd be waking up every half an hour because I was just having such bad, bad anxiety. She'd be stroking my hair to get me to sleep. But you know, in that two weeks was when I would say I met God in the most deep and profound way. Mm. And we'll talk about falling to the bottom of a pit. And finding God there, that is exactly where I found God. Um, And I think that is the turning point for me of where I started to heal and push forward and and move forward through that.
1: So what happened then uh, in that time?
2: I I literally just, I had nothing else because I was so poorly. Like I didn't want to watch telly. I hadn't got the attention. So I literally just pulled out my Bible and worship music and just sat reading my Bible, talking to God, telling him all my, my worries, my fears, my, my anger, I think I just processed everything so much mm. um, that I just got it all out. I was writing stuff down, but that is also when I began to write out the pages of the Little Fingers book because I knew that was part of my healing journey that one day I had to have hope that one day I would get better and I would yeah. heal this. And I knew that the reason that I could do that was by helping others with my story mm-hmm. and that that's the point where I started writing the book.
1: So just explain to those listening what the book is um, that you started writing at this point.
2: So we um when I'd gone into the hospital to give birth to Micah, um the only book or resource available to parents at the time that was like free or anything was was for Muslim parents, so it was prayers to pray through when you'd lost a child. And the midwife um who'd come and again a lady from church, she's the most wonderful lady and she's supported me for many years, said to me, Charlotte, I think this is something, you know, where you could help others, like this is Mm. a real chance where you could bless others. And so from there the idea came together where i just write a thought a day so it's almost like a really small you know it's not a big thick book or anything because you can't process that when you're in that it's literally just a thought a day where i'm just telling people about my journey and about kind of you know some of the things they'll face um and we actually compiled that together now it's the little fingers book and we send that out free of charge to hospitals chaplains churches um so anyone can email in through the website um and they're able to request them and we send boxes out and we've literally sent thousands of them out free of charge to
1: families and
2: parents wow
1: and so this is what your charity does the little fingers charity so what's the i mean while we're here what is that website
2: i knew you were going to ask me that (laughs) i think it's little fingers (laughs) i'm just picking it on the internet (laughs) today I'll have to get back to you and you can put it on the bottom.
1: I'll do <laughs> that. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs>
2: littlefingers.org, but uh, I'll double check.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll put it in yeah. the show notes. I love I the fact you. you don't even know your own website. Uh, I've got a
2: websites in my brain.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. brilliant. So here you are in this two weeks thing. You're pointing your heart out to God. You start to heal. You're journaling. You're, uh, you start the Little Fingers book. What? those what happened then at the end of those two weeks you, know, you said did you then go back home yeah. back to Gav is that what happened then and how yeah, how what was his response to to the fact that you were a little bit different coming out than you were going in
2: I think through the whole journey so Gav was away from God for about seven years in total mm. um and so yeah it was I think everything every step of my journey he didn't always comment on but I knew was impacting him to see how I was reacting it reacting to all of this journey through my faith Mm. and i think that modeled to him kind of god um in action really but yeah i went back to back home i went back to work um and i had a phased return to work and got lots of support there um and actually i would say by the june july i was probably fine you know Mm. i was in I wasn't having the panic attacks or any of that anymore because God was really just transforming me. Um, it was just like I came out the other end as a completely other person, like a completely new person.
1: Yeah. So yeah. what was it then? Because I, I, I can I, I can imagine if you're listening to the show and you, you're, you're listening to what the story is, um, it's easy to go, I get why you're – angry with God you have this promise this happens and in theory this is something that God can stop at any point in time right he knew what was going to happen but he, he for whatever reason he allowed to happen what happened Um, and so here you are you have your Christian faith and it feels like your Christian God is not with you at this point you know and this is all going on you're angry with him Gavin's angry with him so, But if you, within a few months, God is transforming you. Your heart is beginning to heal. Um, you're writing a book. What was it that you learned about God during this phase that helped you process and deal with that anger and confusion towards God, which was what was there in the, in the beginning?
2: I think it is really, I mean, what we've talked about before is about not putting God in a box. I mm. had got this this box in my head mentally of this is how my life will turn out i'm a bit of a control freak this is how you know all the relationships you know i'm gonna get married i'm gonna have kids you know god's gonna do this he's gonna answer every prayer for me as soon as i pray it's like a santa you know um and then life's gonna turn out like this and what i had to undo was my control element but also the putting god in a box Mm. but also and and allowing god to to be god in my life like I don't think he, he causes a lot of these things. And yes, he does, like you say, have the power to stop some of these things. But sometimes we just have to trust and we might not get the answers and, and be okay with that because he sees the bigger picture. And and knowing that God is good and God is good at being good and, and God is good at being God, like that was where I had to come to of just being okay with not knowing. Mm. Um, that I think was the biggest turning point for me.
1: So on one hand, then you have this theology that God is good, but on the other hand, obviously you've got your experience in life, and so the way you have dealt with that, it sounds like Charlotte is you've gone. uh, I just i I have to trust that God is good, and I don't know the answers in spite of what I've been through. Is that am I understanding that right?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's that it's always very open handed, and. I think it's like a lot of things in life. We're just never going to find out the answers to some of these big questions. And I think mm. if we continually question, uh, go on the question to answer some of those questions, it could lead us down some really funny and dark holes and dark paths. And I think sometimes it's just that simple trust of God, isn't it? Of, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is. And what I find interesting in your story, Charlotte, is actually it sounds like you experienced God, you met God, Um during the trauma during the difficult times Mm -hmm. during the hard times um and it was there god brought healing and restoration not necessarily understanding which i think is quite interesting Mm -hmm. um but he did bring healing and transformation and restoration during the dark times didn't he and um Mm -hmm. and that seems to be your story at this point am i am i getting this right yes that's right yeah so What was it like for, and and I just want to go back to the first five years, because um, you've been told you're not really going to get pregnant, but you're trying for five years. That's a long time to have that constant monthly disappointment uh, and and face that. How did you guys deal with that? Because I know know for a lot of couples it can take a long time to to get pregnant, and and I'm curious how you dealt with that.
2: I mean, it was hard, but I think – the great thing about Gav is he naturally has big shoulders to to kind of walk me through that, if that makes sense. Like when I'm like, oh, it's not happened again. It's like, it's okay. And and Gav has always been that sturdiness to my faith in that way mm. that where I've wobbled. And, and it's been really interesting. So in those times, he was very much, but God's promised us, we're going to have two kids. But then obviously it switched the other way around after we lost mm. Micah. It was me going come on god's us so i think it's that's marriage isn't it it's stepping up in an area to support the other person yeah. where they're in and stuff and and he did that very much for me um and and we tried to enjoy life do a bit of traveling go to places we want it was hard and there were some months that were harder than others yeah. um and it is hard when you're around friends and they're like oh we're pregnant and you're like ah. <laughs> you know but um, yeah. It you just, I think you draw closer to it as a couple as well. Like a lot yeah. of humour helps us. We're, we're very, you know, we make jokes of things and yeah. uh, just that's what gets us through.
1: It's a very British thing to do, isn't it? We don't understand it. Let's make fun of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna, yeah. That's going to help us. What yeah. would you, if you could go back in time to, you know, those early years of marriage, um, those those sort of five years, what would you tell yourself? What What advice do you think would have helped you? Um, Just because I know that there'll be people listening, which you'll be going, oh, this sounds sounds like familiar.
2: Yeah, I think if I could tell myself again, like, obviously now I have children, which we'll come to later. But I got to the point where before we got pregnant with Noah, um, and again, we'll come to that shortly. I got to the point where I was like, I'm okay if this doesn't happen, because Mm. God is good and life is still good in spite Mm. of me wanting something and not getting it. and I think that's a really hard place to come to because you want something so much, but once you come to a real place of trust, and the Bible talks so much about us trusting God, that when you can really just surrender it all, that's when I think it, it, God can take and take that and turn it into something good.
1: Mm. Yeah, oh, fantastic. So okay spoiler i mean you've you, you know spoiler alert you you, you kind of <laughs> s- spoil the ending there uh, <laughs> i mean it's amazing the, uh, the you know yeah. but, so uh you mentioned that you then get pregnant with noah so what happens um you've gone back home you're getting healed up gav's walked away from god so mm. bridge that gap between getting uh from that point to getting pregnant with Noah.
2: so it's another five years so in that five years we have um IVF um, first round worked um, which was amazing really excited but again I'm going to the doctor something's not right and uh, the drugs they'd given me had given me something called OHSS where your body just carries on overproducing and overstimulating so that unfortunately caused a miscarriage Um, and I ended up having um, a massive hemorrhage after that so I ended up in the hospital for a week Um, and actually in a Uh, I I can't say uncanny, I can't think of the word, but um, the the room I end up in for a week is actually the room that the charity, two weeks later, was about to fundraise for to do up at the hospital. So we were about, we literally had a, we'd been planning for months, a charity ball that we were going to raise some money for the local hospital to update their miscarriage suites. And unfortunately, I end up in there. Um, So it gave me some insight into what those families face. So I ended up in there while I'm having um, some stuff going on. Uh, A year later, we have some more IVF uh, and that failed. Um, And that was quite devastating at that point because it was just like, okay, we're not getting pregnant naturally. IVF's not working. Does this now mean adoption? It's all those questions of, I actually found it harder. I mean, I say this, I don't know, um, to know that God had promised me kids because God's promised me kids, but I don't know how they're coming. And Mm. my natural reaction is, well, what do I need to do to make that happen? You know, Mm. do I need to stop some children? (laughs) You know, so all that kind of stuff was really what I was wrestling with. Mm. Um, um, Yeah, and then another two years later before – I quit my job as a teacher and, um, and a consultant um, doing some stuff and moderating for the local authority. Uh, I went to work for my friend and found out I was pregnant naturally within six weeks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, uh,
2: yeah. Um, but again, I think literally about two or three months before that, I'd come to a point where I was like, God, I trust you, whatever happens. Mm. So, uh, and then Noah's pregnancy, was a bit you know scary at times I have to inject myself every day because they found out I'd got all these different medical conditions during this interim time um and a lot of dangerous medical conditions for pregnancy um but yeah Noah was born naturally pre- conceived naturally um and he's he was five last week so it's been an absolute joy
1: fantastic well happy birthday Noah uh, yeah. for for last week <laughs> Um so there's a the, the recurring number of 5 coming up uh, in this yeah. conversation Charlotte. Uh, you so <laughs> no no no. So um will come back to that in just a second but let's close off the story because you have two children. We've mentioned this in the bio. We did the little spoiler alert. Um mm. what so tell us about child number 2 which I'm assuming so- is Grace.
2: Yeah, well, yes, it is. So it's Myla Grace hyphened. Um, okay. So I always had backup names, don't know why. And um, when I, um, so Micah was one of my backup names and Mila was one of my backup names. I was like, even if we get a dog, I like these names. Uh, <laughs> and then when I actually looked at what Myla means, and it means gracious, mm. and God had promised us a double portion of grace. So Mila Grace means gracious grace. So she's our mm. double portion grace so it felt fitting to call her that um so yes and myla was born um 16 months ago um she was probably too much information first try (laughs) after all those years (laughs) she was the wow (laughs) um so uh yeah it it, god has been absolutely amazing like just blown us away with his faithfulness Mm. and semi-spoiler alert this summer, so August this summer, will be 20 years from when God gave us that picture. Well, gave me the picture. And Myla obviously is now walking. Mm. So I really believe there will be a point this summer where I will, it makes me well up just thinking of it. I will see that picture in real life.
1: Yeah. Um, There's that just going to be that moment, isn't there? And you're going to go, yeah. that's yeah. it. Yeah. And, and it's just. How mad pretty- would that be?
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: That'd be the most precious thing. Yeah. Uh, And it'll be one of those things that you'll never forget. And, um, but so, uh, well, it's great to hear, uh, you know, Marley Grace and Noah are now on the scene. And this is where I started to hear your story was because you went on maternity leave when we were chatting um, and you were like, oh, I'm going to wear maternity leave. Oh, congratulations. Then you're like, yeah, you don't even know the half of it, Matthew. I don't. Uh, There's a whole lot of this story. Um, So in all of this, uh, Charlotte, you're, there are ups and there are downs, and there seems to be a lot more downs than ups. I'm not going to lie on the on the getting pregnancy front. I don't know about the rest of life. Um, where where does Gavin's story take a U turn?
2: Yeah, so he um, he was uh, working for a friend. So this was just before COVID. So in the February before COVID, uh, he'd been working for a friend, and that job hadn't kind of worked out as they both discussed it too to the point where his friend had said okay i think so i think this was like the wednesday i think we'll finish your job from friday so it was nothing gav had done it just wasn't the role that they both thought it was going to be so at that point gavin was like i have no job to do (laughs) um at the same time i'd left one of my jobs to go and work for another job and it was an amazing job on paper like incredible salary the role i was doing like even the recruiter for it was like we've had over 200 people apply for this and he wouldn't even put any of them in front of him and he's had you and he's employed you and i got there And something just did not feel right in my heart. And eventually God, after six weeks, was just like, you need to leave. I've given you exactly what you wanted, but this isn't where I want you.
0: Mm. And I
2: just couldn't get that niggle out of my heart. And I have never done anything like this, but I said to Gav, I said, I think I've got to quit my job. (laughs) Um, So I'd quit my job in the December and bless the guy, like I'd gotten so well with him. He said, look, I'll give you a month's garden leave, which was amazing. And my brothers were over from Australia. So we had a great Christmas, but come January, We're both all of a sudden without a job on the Monday. And it was like, what do we do? We've got a young child. How do we keep a roof above our head? And on that same night, Gav had been having mentoring off a guy um, that we were doing some property investment with. And uh, he came around and he just said, I'm not going to talk to you about property stuff. Gav, I think it's time. And you know what God's telling you to do. And he went home and Gav just went, God, I need you. And he just broke down and just came back to the Lord. So... It was incredible. It was honestly, it was so heartwarming, and many years of prayer. <laughs>
1: no kidding, <laughs> so, no. Kidding. Yeah. So, what was it like? I mean, you've talked a little bit about what it was like dealing with the grief um, yeah. and coming to that place of surrender. There is another element of this, in the sense that in this image that you have, not only have you got two kids, I'm assuming in your head you've got a Christian husband, yes, um, and so not only are the two kids seemingly. Not happening the husband who's a, who's a great guy is also there's a big part of that picture that's not quite in focus maybe as you you thought it was going to be what was it like seeing your husband walk away from god um for those seven years i how did how did that impact you i'm I'm really curious
2: it was hard it was really hard especially initially um At first he was like, I don't want you to go to church. I don't want you to go and, you know, you don't need God Uh, at first. He was like, I just think you should forget it and stuff. But the catch is he actually also worked as the church, as the site manager. So he was still in church stuff, but he was very like, oh, and the politics is putting me off and all that kind of stuff. But then I remember after about two or three, it was probably about three years of him still working there. One of the one of the girls that I knew really well there, she was like, you know, he started listening to worship music in his office again. <laughs> and so for I think for him, it was a slow, gradual unfolding, but it was hard. And again, like you say, it's hard when your whole pictures come unraveled of mm. kids, husband, every, you know, even the fear of if he completely walks away from God, what happens if he walks away from me too? You know, it's mm. that... Um, but I just had to keep trusting. And honestly, my prayer life went to such a, an amazing level that I just had to learn to just take everything to God and surrender it to him.
1: Mm. How was it? Um, how did you practically deal with this on a day to day basis? Because you're not the only, uh, you know, there are people listening to the the show who will have a unbelieving spouse. And it's, you know, there's mm. a small portion in scripture that talks about this, but um, which is which is great and, and wonderful, obviously. But on a day-to-day practical level, how did you put that into practice? What what was life looking like for you? It, did you have a deliberate strategy in your head, if I can use phrases like that? Um, or was it just a case of, I'm not really going to think about this until it's a, I'll pray about it, but I'm not going to try and think about it type of thing?
2: I think it's like any kind of evangelism strategy, just try not to shove it down their throat, especially mm. when you're at home with them all the time. Like I think at first I was trying to intentionally make too many, you know, God's doing this. And God, but in the end it was just if a natural thing came out, I'd say it. You mm. know, oh, it's great today and, and this happened, you know, but I didn't force anything. And mm. um, I'm sure there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about how um, a husband can come uh, to the Lord through the witness of his wife or something. Yeah, through,
1: or yeah, 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 they yeah. can, yeah
2: and that that really kind of gave me encouragement that i think just him watching my faith unravel yeah. um or not unravel sorry build up and, and grow i think definitely encouraged him um mm. especially as i got stronger and stronger in the fact that no we are having these children so I, I the journey went the opposite way he he was very we're having these children and then he's petered off and mine became stronger as the years went on of mm. my conviction of no but god has promised us two children and we're having them yeah so yeah
1: it's interesting listening to your story and as you're as you're talking Charlotte, I'm reminded of the story that I read um about Polly Wigglesworth who was Smith Wigglesworth's wife. Um and Smith Wigglesworth for those that don't know was around in the early part of the 1900s wasn't he? He was a Bradford Liverpool guy and he I mean crazy miracles sort of fo- seemed to follow him and there's lots of insane stories um uh, but his journey with God was quite complex and at one point um I can't remember why but he decided to walk away from God something had obviously happened and he'd walked away from God and he said to Polly he said you're not going to church I know enough to know the Bible says I'm the head of this house and you're not going to the, you're not going to church and Polly just went no Smith I am going to church uh, and so she goes to church and Uh, Smith is so angry with his wife uh, and with God that he locks her out of the house. (laughs) Um, And if I I just I'm thinking at this point, if that was my wife, there would be all I would be in all kinds of trouble from about 40 different people if I ever did this. Uh, But he locks Polly out of the house. Right. And what was interesting was the next day he came down stairs. And he he unlocked the door, forgetting about the fact that he'd locked his wife out and his wife had fallen asleep on the doorstep, leaned (gasps) up against the door. And as the door opens, she she falls into the kitchen, um, which obviously wakes her up what do you say as a wife at this point? There are very choice phrases which may have come out of most people's mouths. But Polly Wigglesworth does this thing where she just she gets up off the floor, she kisses her husband on the cheek, says good morning to him, and fixes his favorite breakfast. And the way that Smith Wigglesworth told the story was he was so convicted about how his wife acted and behaved um, that he inevitably came back to god and so he he's he he said everything i am under god i owe to my dear wife um uh, which i just think is a remarkable story mm. uh and i i think there there are there are things that you know it's the unseen actions which have the biggest impact mm. on our kids on our spouses
2: i can imagine um, actually that that wasn't actually just that moment either i can mm. imagine actually if he unpicked it there were probably more little moments
1: yeah i'm sure there were
2: that led up to that moment it's a bit like they say paul and when he had his conversion actually there was probably a lot more moments along the way before he had this big you know glaring yeah. conversion. Yeah. yeah
1: there have been lots of things yeah yeah, yeah. i've no doubt i've no doubt but it's an interesting one, is not it yeah. so throughout all this trauma and mm-hmm. the miscarriage and the failed ivf and the grief you're growing stronger and stronger in your faith that you are going to have two children um which seems a bit of a contradiction in terms, doesn't it? It feels like sort of polar opposites. It's getting worse. So therefore my faith is going to get stronger. Did you ever think about it in those terms? Or was it just actually, no, this is what I'm, I'm the more this happens, the more I'm getting convinced we're on the right track.
2: I mean, don't get me wrong. There were still months where I was like, oh, this isn't going to happen. I'm mad, you know, but I think it was just the more, I think the Bible talks about having, setting your face like, Flint, is it Flint?
1: Yeah.
2: I'm getting my words muddled up today. Um, That is Flint, yep. That's what I I just put to my head was that's what I need to do. I need to be so fixed on the truth of God and Mm. what he's promised, but not so fixed that I have to make it happen. But just like, right, God, this is something I know. Like I'm parking to the side and saying, I trust you with it while I focus on this stuff. Mm. And while I got busier with the stuff that was other than that, it built me up. It gave me hope. It restored my soul. While God could deal with the other stuff, with Gav, with the future, with, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there were still days, but I definitely think it's one of those where you just got to fix your gaze ahead on the on the, on the prize set ahead of us because,
0: mm.
2: you know, as much as I could have been thought about that, who knows that I, I could have dropped down dead in the meantime, you know. So we can get so consumed by the one thing that we take our eyes off everything else in the bigger picture.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's powerful that's super powerful who um one of the stories that i i i love in scripture is where uh, mary gets pregnant and she she clears off and hangs out with elizabeth for 3 months yeah. um you know and elizabeth encourages mary um who's your elizabeth in all of this who's who was the the encourager
2: i've had a few but for different reasons or ways like my mom's been there as a generic support through all of it my mom and dad eventually came to faith as well um but then we had sue who was the midwife who delivered micah she has been there every step of the way particularly she came and delivered noah well was part of the delivery for noah as well um and was also on the phone during my phone my delivery for myla as well so um yeah there's a number of women that i just I would thank but and I think it's it's that building an army isn't it you want a group mm. of friends and people around you that are the ones that would you know take you to the roof of a building rip it apart and lower you down before jesus and that's what you need sometimes is just a group of stretcher bearers who you can go to for different things yeah I'm not somebody who has one person. I have several, usually.
1: Got you. You're you. greedy. Yeah. You've got more than one. You've got, like, yeah. a group. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure but I you. like that analogy. I love that. Uh, you need a set of people who will rip the roof off and lower you down. If Just explain what you mean by that, Charlotte, for people that might not be familiar with that story from from the gospel
2: yeah. yeah so there's that great story in the bible where um it talks about the paralytic man and um he, he's taken uh, by his friends and he, they can't get close enough to jesus who's obviously they know he's doing miracles so they take him up onto the roof and they rip the roof open and they lower him down so that jesus can uh, obviously heal him um and tell him to take his mat and get up and walk which is amazing so but it's the it's the pers- persistence of his friends that get him there you know uh, yeah. and i love
1: yeah and and it's interesting when you get those kind of friends because I I like you I have those I have a group of friends like that who I feel would rip off roofs for me if if they if they deemed it important um and I I'm so grateful for those friends and for that friendship it's quite a remarkable thing mm. um and I'm very intentional in making sure that I I keep up with those you know yeah. those friends um which is which is super important sure listen i am aware of time i'm aware that we are uh we're <laughs> rapidly running out of it um if people i mean i i can't ask you to tell me what the website is for your charity because you just don't know uh but we will put that in the show notes um but if people want to reach out to you if they want to connect with you if they want to find out more what's the best way to do that
2: Yeah, so there's the contact form on the website so they can just reach in there. Um, We've also got the ability on there where if they do want to send a copy of the book to somebody, they can fill in the form and then we just post it out to them free of charge. Or um, if it's like a church or an organisation that want a handful of those books, again, we can post those out to people, again, free of charge uh, mm. We've sent them to so many places and sometimes people ask for like boxes of them that they've got available to hand out. Sometimes it's just blessing a friend who's just gone through a miscarriage or a loss mm. of a child. Um, so it's just a really helpful resource uh, to send out. So yeah, once, once I get you the website, <laughs> uh, you can contact us. We'll put,
1: and we'll put it, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, Charlotte, listen, one final word uh, from you to, you know, You've come through a lot, and I I see resilience, and I see faith, and I see uh, just an amazing person. If I'm honest with you, I just love hearing your story in uh, in a good way. You know, in the sense that obviously God's with you, and um, your outlook on life is so refreshing and and, and wonderful and beautiful. Just a, a final word from you, maybe people listening to the show have been touched a little bit by what you're saying. Uh, just let's end on a, on a note of encouragement.
2: Yeah, I think. I think for the person who's still trying for a baby trust god and you know be led by him and his holy spirit and and you know whatever that looks like god is still good for the person who's lost a, a child um allow god to take you through that healing um you know he, he can bring hope and 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 life again once to your life um and they call them rainbows uh, so no reminder mm. are our rainbow babies And to somebody who's maybe struggling with a spouse or a a, a family member who's far away from God, um, just keep praying. Prayer Mm. does amazing things. So God is good. Um, Yeah. yeah.
1: Fantastic. Mm. It's true. And I I would only, the only thing I would add is mix that with a little bit of patience because sometimes it won't (laughs) happen tomorrow. Um, Yeah. uh, But, you know, uh, if we're in there for the long haul, it's amazing what prayer persistent prayer does uh, over many years um and trusting god charlotte it's been wonderful it's been awesome and lovely to talk to you thanks for being so amazing uh, and such a legend and um, it's great to have been doing stuff with you um and great to get to know you and uh, bless you and your family and phenomenal story and and thank god for you guys
0: thanks for having me <laughs> And just like that, we've reached the end of another fascinating conversation. Remember to check out Crowd Online Church at www.crowd.church. Don't forget to subscribe to What's the Story on your favorite podcast app. We've got a treasure trove of inspiring stories coming your way, and we'd hate for you to miss any of them. What's the Story is a production of Crowd Online Church. Our fantastic team, including Anna Kettle, Matt Edmondson, Tanya Hutzelak, and myself, Souther Bain, and work behind the scenes to bring these stories to life. Our theme song is the creative work of Josh Edmondson. If you're interested in the transcript or show notes, head over to our website, What's thestorypodcast.com And while you're there, sign up for our free newsletter to get all the goodness delivered straight to your inbox. That's all from us this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye for now.